to pitch. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of It's Wednesday, April 5th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you this week by Irish Rover Station House. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And hey, Chet, opening day is in the books for the Phillies with a win, but unfortunately the Flyers playoff hopes uh, came to an end against the Rangers the other night. But we've got two great guests tonight to talk about both, and I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I talked yesterday with the voice of the Phillies, Tom McCarthy, and as expected, he had some terrific insight into this year's team. We touched all the bases, pun intended, and we have hockey talk and more with a first-time visitor to Philly Press Box Radio joining us live here at the top of the show, Bill. Absolutely, and hey, with that taken care of, let's get it rolling and welcome our first special guest tonight, a woman whose name is synonymous with Flyers Hockey. In 2005, voted the best anthem singer in NHL history by the Hockey News poll, making her first visit, as you said, Chet, to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Ms. Lauren Hart. Lauren, welcome. Hi. Thank you. Nice introduction. Thank you very much. Well, well yeah. much deserved. Oh, thank you. Hey, Lauren, this is Chet. We're going to talk flyers, of course, with you, but uh, we'll talk a little music first of all. I spotted a clip on YouTube of you as a teenager singing the anthem at the Spectrum back in October of 1984. Matter of fact, before yep. we talk about that, uh, let's play a little bit of that. Uh, you from 1984 and a couple of guys oh introducing well, we'll you. let the other guy introduce this singer of the National Anthem. Who is that singing down My there? My daughter, Lauren. <laughs> Now, that's pretty cool. Your dad uh, obviously proud, and I'm guessing I'm guessing that was one of the first times you sang the anthem before a Flyers game? It was, and I, 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 somebody brought that video to my attention um, a year ago or maybe a little bit longer, and I, I did watch it, and I do recall just being horrified <laughs> at the whole thing because <laughs> it was just such a big place. I'd never sung in front of that many people and of course you know my dad was a legend and I wanted to just do him proud and do do well and um uh yeah that was the start of things to come. Yeah, Lauren I think I read that you, yeah. you knew you knew by the time you were in second grade that you wanted to be a singer is that accurate I really did yeah I mean I do remember being in a uh a music class with with bunch of kids and we were learning a song and somehow I got to do the solo and my mom was a, a, t a teacher in the school as well in another classroom and after I did the solo the teacher ran over and got my mom and said you gotta hear your daughter do you know she can sing and um, I kind of liked that feeling so I said oh I think I'll do this you know so I, I knew I loved it right from the from, from the very beginning and my parents were both passionate about music and we always had music in the house. And I think if my dad had not been in sports and, and had had, uh, had such a great career in broadcasting, that he would have found his way into music somehow because that was his 
his other love in his life. So it didn't. Uh, his mom was a singer, and it's uh, kind of in the blood. Hey, Lauren. You know, when you're our age, my age, and Chet's age, which is older than you. Um, you know, we grew up, Gene Hart was Flyers hockey. He's the one that basically taught us the game at, at our age. And how was it like growing up as Gene Hart's daughter? Because there had to be a whole lot of guys uh, who thought the same way that Chet and I think. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think that, um, you know, we grew up, I grew up in the same neighborhood, so kids knew him from a very young age, and the neighborhood neighbors knew him from a very young age. There were a few other flyers that did not live far away from from where we were, and I kind of I knew what he did was special, and I kind of liked hockey, and I thought it was cool, but it didn't really. And I've told this story before, but it did not. It just didn't hit me who he was or what he did until I went to college. And I was a freshman. I had gotten there. I went to Temple University, and my car had broken down. I called my dad. I said, Dad, can you come pick me up? He said, sure. So I'm waiting out on the, on the street for him. And he at the time had a, forget what kind of car, like a big white Cadillac or something. Um, but on, his license plate said voice. And uh-huh. hmm. I... There's like a main. There was a main. There's a main thoroughfare through 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 the university area, and I'm blanking on the name of the street. But all of a sudden, I just saw all these people, like you know, all this commotion going on. I could see it from a distance, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what's happening, you know. And I saw people walking into the street, and uh, and all of a sudden, I'm like, is that my dad's car? <laughs> and all these students, you know, recognized who he was and saw the license plate, and all these fans started, you know, rushing towards the car and rushing into the street. And it was at at that moment, I it, it like it clicked and it dawned on me like what he meant to people, and that it was in a whole different stratosphere than I ever realized as a kid growing up because I never saw him out of context of other than our own little you know, our own little world when you're a kid. So I, I'll always remember that day. And he came up smoking a cigar, and I was, like, so proud to jump in the car with him. And, and you know, to him it was just another another day. But he really, you know, of course I'm his daughter and I'm, I'm his biggest fan. But um, he was just so spectacular. And, you know, whenever I would be with him from that moment on, I really did recognize how people, what he meant to people, um, guys who said, yeah, I listened to your dad with the radio in my bed at night and how he taught the game of hockey. And, you know, it, it sort of um, uh, just went, transcends to a whole different level. And I would walk down to the old spectrum, still a kid, and people used to wait. There was an executive interest, and people could see all the players walk in. It wasn't as, you know, security, and it wasn't as, it was a little more low-key, actually, back, you know, growing up. But, uh, you know, he would come, and it was like the seas parting, you know. They were like, Gene Hart, oh, my gosh, you know. And I just, <laughs> I thought, wow, that's just really great. And I I could go on and on, but, you know, the thing that I love the most now at this point is I, people still come up to me and tell me stories of, of my dad. And a lot of them are about hockey, and a lot of them are about how he taught the game. But I would say most of them are about um, telling me that he was their teacher in high school or that he came and visited, 
you know, my dad in the hospital or that he came to a little league game and showed up for for some for, for a charity cause or you know he just was that kind of guy so not only did he you know people fall in love with him over the radio but he really was active in the community and um you know he did the walk he lived it he he really lived a um a righteous life i really believe it so yeah cool in every way Hey, Lauren, speaking of commotion and you as a young kid, the Flyers won their two cups, of course, in 1974 and 75. You were just a very young girl at the time. Do you have any memory of those cup-winning seasons? No, none whatsoever. (laughs) I really don't. I can picture picture being in that car um, with my father. Uh, it was like one car, like, and behind us was a car, was the Stanley Cup, I believe, or might have been in front, or be, maybe it was behind. And I do remember all these people, you know, patting him on the arm and everything. And I, but I don't remember much, much else. And the following year, they they won it too, and I don't remember that at all. Right. So, but I do remember, uh, you know, I do remember being in that car, and I do remember the people that just unbelievable amount of people in, in the streets and just you know what a good time for the city it was hey lauren the uh i guess it's probably been 40 40 whatever many years long long time right. ago the first time i heard god bless america uh with kate kate singing that at the spectrum and all the craziness and i'm going to tell you if i heard that song tonight with you singing it it still gives me chills and when you and her do it on the screen together, just yeah. makes me want to jump out of my skin. How is it for you, uh, first, to, to sing that song with her, but to know that you are in the soul of 17,000-plus people? Oh, my gosh. You know, I, 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 can't, I can't even begin to explain it. You know, it, it. It's exceeded all, you know. I was a kid, and I was like, Dad, I really want to sing. Can you get me in? And he would be like, no, 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 he never wanted to push and didn't want to, you know, he was a protective dad. And, you know, to, you know, he never, he knew that I sang, but he passed away before sort of my role with the team got to be what it was. You know, so he, oh. never, he never saw all this. He never saw the Kate Smith video. He never, you know, went through, you know, the hard, bad times too, the rough times that I had, had gone through. So... You know, um, I do know that when when he was still alive, the times that I did sing, he was always, you know, he always had to be up in the press box in a certain place and and wanted to be right there when ready when I when I came out. Never missed, and probably the only time in a press box that the man was silent. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that just I look up at that screen and you know I can feel the electricity from the people when we do that duet. And it is. Well, Lauren, let me, uh, let, me, yeah. let me just play a little sample of that, uh, you and Kate. Oh, yeah, I get chills uh, hearing that again. That's shot from 2016. <laughs> Let's yeah. go Flyers. Let's play hockey. Yeah. You know, it's such it's hey, just Lauren, such I, a special connection. 
I want to ask about Kate Smith. Uh, you know, she was the mm-hmm. Flyers' good luck charm back in the Cup years. Yeah. She lived until 1986, but I understand you never actually met her. Is that right? No, I never did. No, I never did meet her, and I never did see her <laughs> sing. Um, but I've certainly seen the the videos, and I've certainly I certainly knew well the stories growing up. Now, the uh, duets awesome. that you occasionally do with her for God Bless America, is that ever difficult mm-hmm. technologically? You know what? They have such a great system down there. I, I have little ear monitors, and so I hear exactly what she's singing, and it's just was put together initially so well um, that it, it really isn't, you know, it's more on the cameras, the cameras making sure, you know, they, that the screens go when they're supposed to go. And, you know, but for my part, it felt really sort of just natural to do it. I just jumped right in, and I, I always thought it was like, you know what, this is exactly how it's supposed to go. So um, the only time it's ever tough is that, you know, when we were going deep in the playoffs when that building was so loud that I wouldn't be able to <laughs> yeah. hear the end. And I just kind of would, like, cross my fingers and go, okay, you know what the note is. Just go for it and hope that you were in the right place at the right time, you know. So, well, it works. Yeah. Yeah. It sure, yeah, it sure does. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, Lauren, I wanted to ask you, you, um, you mentioned the, some rough times along the way, but you've, uh, I believe you've got five CDs out now. Is that correct? And uh, do I have the right number? And, and what are you doing with your singing career, or are you uh, trying to do flyers and, and be a mom? Um, you know what? I'm trying to do everything. Um, I'm, I have six mm-hmm. albums, and I'm working on a seventh right now, actually, and um it did take a little bit of time, you know, we um, uh, to have a family, and um, but I'm still doing very much involved in music. And so while I while I was um, the kids were little and and our family was just sort of starting, I did a lot of um, writing for television and for film for documentary films. And um, you know, I do music full time. So if I'm not at hockey games, I'm out there somewhere doing something i worked on a tv had a tv show for a while and um yeah i'm always making music one way or another i find a way that's awesome well speaking of the music as you said you have six albums out uh what kind Mm -hmm. of music was how would you describe the music and where can people find it well i mean it's it's singers it's i would say singer songwriter that's such a broad category but um i write it and i sing it so that fits um it's a little pop it's a little rock um, it's a little soul, and um, it's on iTunes. It's everywhere. You'd find, you know, all all the music you like, and uh, yeah, and on my website. So it's it's readily available, and I'm excited. I haven't put out new music in a in a couple years, so I'm really excited for for this new music to come out and to go out and play more shows in support of it. Well, that's what I was going to say. Do you play a lot of the uh, the local Philly, Jersey, South Jersey uh, venues, or where where can people go to see you? Oh my gosh, yeah, I've played all I've played all of them and then some. I would say now, um, I would say you probably could find me in um, at the World Cafe Live. We used to play a lot at the Tin Angel and the TLA. Um, you know, I did a lot of opening acts at the Man Music Center and even at the Old Spectrum for different bands. So, yeah, I mean, it just, uh, there are a lot of different places. So I, I, it just depends on how how much uh, how much I decide to play and get out there. 
Lauren, the, the tough times Bill uh, was alluding to, of course, you battled and beat non-Hodgkin's lymphoma around the turn of the century. Did that change you as a person in any way? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely did. I mean, I mean, it changed the whole trajectory of my life. You know, uh, I, I kind of, my, I started the first time really sing for the team in 90, in 97, 98. And, uh, you know, my dad passed away in 99. And when, when that happened, I said, you know, the Flyers had already asked if I would sort of, you know, come aboard and, you know, carry on the heart tradition, the voice. And um, I, I was really into it. And I, in the back of my mind, I always thought, well, yeah, this is a great gig, and I'll do this until the next gig because I had been living in California and, you know, working out there. And, you know, I thought it was a really great thing that I got to do. But I didn't ever think that it would last the way that it did. But the season in, in 99 when my dad passed away, I said, you know, I'm going to sing this whole season. I want to sing every game in, in honor of him, like tribute, you know. And uh, at the beginning of 2000, I had gotten cancer, and it sort of, um, you know, it changed changed the plans in a big way. And I I didn't, you know... I had a record deal and I was doing a movie and I was doing a lot of different things. And at that time it kind of all just disappeared because, you know, I really, really wasn't well, but I had gone to the flyers and I said, I had told them what was going on. And I said, I'd understand if you would want me to sit out, but I'd like to try to sing all the way through this, you know? And it really was the, the, the minute and a half that I looked forward to in my life at that time, you know, just to get out there. And I did it, more for survival sort of instinct to keep going and not stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't understand the connection and that I was going to make with the fans and with people and um, how much that he- helped to heal me and how much, um, how many times through over the years that I would connect with people that were going through it at that time or had someone they loved going through it or are going through it now. And, and, you know, that's a bond and that, you know, is just so unique and unfortunate, but it's deep, you know, and Flyers fans are so loyal. So it just sort of, sort of locked, you know, fate locked in there. And, um, I, uh, I had been, traveling all over and doing a lot of lot of work and and just you know living this big life and um that definitely slowed me down and and made me think and you know I was really happy to be in Philly and I was really happy to be with family and with friends and you know I I was uh, just such a driven person from a very young age as you mentioned second grade knowing what I wanted to do um that it just kind of put life on pause and it let me reflect and it really you know, made me appreciate the position that I was in to be able to sing for the team. And, you know, kind of when I started doing it, the anthem wasn't a big deal. You didn't you didn't have these huge celebrities all over wanting to sing the national anthem. It was just a thing. Mm-hmm. And some once in a while you might get somebody to do it, you know. But it wasn't like a position of prestige for celebrities, you know, it was sort of more of a military thing or just, you know, um, a traditional thing. But after me going through that and after 9-11, people looked at it in a whole different way. I could just see it on the faces of everyone that I could, 
you know, that I'm able to see down there at the time. And um, it just, it meant something different. And it made me understand, you know, just how powerful that spot is, how powerful it was at the time for me to be well, how powerful it was to help people heal, you know, in, in their own lives and how powerful it was to unite us when, you know, right after 9-11, you know, we, I, got to get out, I got out there and I'm doing God Bless America and, and, you know, we're stopping the game to look at, you know, the president up on the screen um, talking about yep. this, you know, horrific yep. event in well. our country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just very intense and, you know, <clears throat> I fell in love with the fans and I just can't even, can't, I won't even be able to describe how much I love, love the fans. Well, emotional back then, Lauren, and you were obviously emotional also singing the games right after we lost Ed Snyder just about a year ago, a year mm. ago this month. What are your memories of Mr. Snyder? Mm. Well, you know, my I, he just was always this – I always thought he was a super guy, and the, the, I loved how much that he just wanted to win hockey. Um, I grew up – I was a little kid, you know, and he was my dad's age, and I didn't really know him well, but after um, – when I started singing for the team and I was an adult, I got to know him on a different level as a friend. And um, I, I traveled a lot during playoffs with him to, you know, to watch the team. And, you know, he really sort of embraced me as family um, after my dad passed away. His daughter is one of, is one of my best friends on the entire earth. And, um, you know, uh, he's just, he was just, you know, a really passionate you know, kind of like larger-than-life kind of guy. And I think people were in awe of him and maybe even a little afraid of him, you know, because he was, yeah. you know, he was the man, you know. But I always just saw him in a, such a different way. And, um, you know, I remember he came to my to my wedding and my dad was, you know, my dad wasn't around anymore. And, and um I had just walked over and I said, you know, I'm so, so happy you're here with me. And he's like, and he said to me, you're like my daughter. And I really, I really, I really felt, you know, again, another step in the bond that I've, that I've forged with the Flyers and with the Flyers family and with the Snyders. So it's just, uh, you know, I, 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 I just, I picture him and my dad when I was a kid and looking up <laughs> to both of them. That's what I picture and and all the all the good times they had and you know back then they won all the time so usually <laughs> after games you know there was a lot of celebrating going on you know and you know there were a lot of good my favorite my favorite favorite game with him was we had uh, we were playing away in in Boston it was the playoffs and we were down in the series you know three nothing so this was going to be the final game and we were just sitting there dejected and. We were losing the game um, three nothing in the third period, and all of a sudden we came back and we won that game that night. And oh, not yeah. only did we win that game, we won the whole series. Mm -hmm. And we left that building that night and got on that plane and we're just toasting. And you know, he looked over and he's like, "This is what it's all about." He's like, "This is what it's all about." He's like, "It makes it makes it sweet, doesn't it?" And I just, you know. That was such a, a great moment. Although I never got to experience like a Stanley Cup, you know, with what with with him or with my dad in that way. But you know, I really that that was just one playoff game in a series, and I could see just how passionate he was about it. It was his his love. So cool. 
Hey, Lauren, yeah. best anthem singer in NHL history. Mm-hmm. Not not in Philly history, not in – we're talking in NHL history. Is there a way to actually get your hands around that? There isn't. You know, I I had no idea what it was. A fan brought the hockey news to me and said, could you sign this? And I looked at it, and I was just so blown away. Um, I, you know – yeah, you know, we NHL has a, you know, hockey has a great tradition of having an anthem singer. They don't have that in basketball, they don't have it in baseball. There's far too many games, you know. They don't have it in football, but hockey in the cities they have their person and it's really a, a cool thing that they do. So to be, you know, given that honor and thought of in that way was just so over the top. I can't I can't even, you know. <laughs> It, it, it's over the top to even call you yeah. that. It really is. It's, oh, my it, gosh. It's, it, what a fantastic honor. Yeah, it really is. All right. Hey, Lauren, what we usually try to do when we have a, a guest with us for the first time is we, we try to do what we call a little segment called Fast Five, where basically Ted asks you five pretty simple questions and you give five pretty simple answers. You up for that as we close it out? Okay. I'll I'll try. I'll go for it. Yep. Okay. Okay, Fast Five. Fast Five with Lauren yeah. Hart. Hey, your bio indicates you sang with Frank Sinatra. In 30 seconds, sum that experience up for us. Oh, my gosh. It was just like out of a nightclub with martinis and smoke, cigarette smoke flying, and he looked at me and said, <laughs> you have great legs, girl. And I said, thanks. And that's the extent of our conversation. I went out and did an opening act for him, and he was just like just everything you think he would be, he was, Frank Sinatra. Total cool. Oh, wow. Awesome. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hey, you've mastered the you've mastered the God Bless America duet with the virtual Kate Smith. Who else would you love to duet with? Oh, you know, my personal favorite of all time of all anthems was Whitney Houston at the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody's ever I've never heard anybody sing like that and uh, it was just such an incredible performance and growing up she was what she was who I looked up to. She just had such a magnificent voice and that's my favorite all time. In the movie Miracle, who's that voice uh, singing the national anthem? <laughs> yeah, that's my voice. It's pretty cool. You know, I uh, I have a couple of guys, the director of the film and people that worked on the film actually went to Penn here in Philadelphia and knew of the Flyers and knew of my anthem and just say, said, hey, could we use your, your voice in the film? And, of course, I said yes. And uh, pretty pretty awesome to see that scene of the cameras, you know, closing in on Madison Square Garden and seeing the USA and Russian team on the ice and hear me. You don't see me, but you hear me. And shame on me, because I actually didn't realize that was you until I read Glenn Macnow's great piece on you and your dad about yep. a month or two ago. So, nice. Uh, number four, I'm guessing you've met just about every Flyers player over the past 40 years or so. Give me a couple of your favorites to be around. A couple of my favorites. I always loved Keith Primo. I thought he was just such a cool guy. And, you know, we had a little tradition there for a minute where after I would sing the anthem, he'd come by and high-five me every game. So he was always a standout to me. And I adore Bernie Perrant. I adore Bobby Clark. I adore Bob Kelly. They're like, they're like, you know, family to me. And I just love to be able to walk in the building. It makes me feel connected to my dad still. And finally, Lauren, how would you describe the typical Flyers fan? Hmm. 
they are loyal, they are passionate, they don't give up, they don't quit. They are going to be there, win or lose. And uh, I, I, I don't know, uh, they're always, the, the outlook from these fans are, is always positive. They are, I'm tweeting about my disappointment we lost, and they're cheering me up. So they, they are really, they're really terrific. They're really, they really are, love this team, and we love them back, no doubt. Awesome. Lauren Hart, thanks for playing Fast Five. Uh, wasn't too bad. Oh. No, <laughs> that was question. easy. No, that was easy. <laughs> hey, hey, Laura, we uh, I think we used up all your time and maybe even a couple extra minutes. So we we want to certainly thank you for taking the time to join us. It was great, and uh, thank thank you very much. Oh, so my pleasure, my pleasure to be on with both of you. All right, Lauren. Before you we go, appreciate uh, it. give Let's us your flyers. I don't care if we only have a couple games left. Let's win them. Yep, me too. Lauren, give us your dad's end of broadcast words. What does your dad say at the end of the broadcast? Give us those words. Uh, Good night, good hockey. Good night, good hockey. You got it. Absolutely. Well, thank thank you very much, Lauren. Thank you. Go Flyers. Go Flyers. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, How good was that, my friend? That was pretty awesome, and just in case we needed it, I had this ready to go. By the way. Uh, not, not that, not that, not that. Not that. That was good, too, though. But actually, uh, in case uh, Lauren forgot the words, I'm sure she did. Chet, you know when well, you uh, when you've been when you've been around as long as we have and been a fan during that time, it still gives you chills. Yeah, I actually was going to play something else, but you know that started to play, and I said, "Hey, I want to hear that again anyway." Because Gene Hart calling that cup, I meant to tell Arn that is one of the greatest clinching victory calls in sports broadcast history. I love it, and I, I get a set of goosebumps every time I hear it to this day, 42 years later, 43 years later. Uh, I'm with you. Absolutely. Well, hey, Chad, let's All talk right. about the Irish Rover House. Yes, indeed, Bill. Do you want a great place to grab some food or have a couple of beers with your pals? I have just the place, the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, Bucks County. I have been there four or five times already in 2017. It's got a terrific atmosphere, daily food and drink specials, an extensive beer list, Menu items from burgers and gourmet wings to filet mignon. A friendly waitstaff, too, at the Rover. Barmaids Taylor and Stacy are usually there on those Thursday nights when I pop in. This Saturday night, the band Kickbacks provides the music. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. And you did get up there uh, to visit them last Thursday, as you said you were going to? I did. I hung out with my uh, cousin, Art, who I was down in Florida with a couple of weeks ago, and I had only three beers. I behaved myself. I had three beers. They had some wings, and to be honest, I was going to sample them, but they have these wings that are, like, really, really hot, and that's what they ordered, and I'm something of a wuss, so I didn't have any of the wings. I just stuck to the beer. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, hey, Chip, speaking about the Phillies, let's talk about them a little bit. They won their opener against the Reds, which is certainly good to see. As you recall, they were swept 
last year right out of the box, and it looks like we're in a rain delay already tonight, but uh, we're 1-0. High hopes. Yeah, the Phils are a better team than a year ago, Bill. The Reds are probably worse, but it's always nice to start a season with a W. Even though right out of the gate there are some concerns about whether Jenmar Gomez is the right guy for the closers role, we can talk more about that later on if you want. Well, yeah, we, we certainly will get into that. I'm sure we'll be talking about that all season, or at least until he is no longer the closer, because uh, there's been some discussion about that after game one. Uh, but, hey, on your day off, as you mentioned, you had a chance to sit down with, uh, with a very busy Tom McCarthy. How was that? It was awesome, as you might expect. Uh, as you said, a busy guy. He does lots of interviews on his day off. I think he snuck in a little golf yesterday as well. But uh, he did have time to talk to me, and we had a great conversation. And here is that Joined chat. here on Philly Press Box Radio by the voice of the Phillies, Tom McCarthy. How goes it, Tom? Uh, Chad, it's doing great. The season's underway, so uh, it's always good to get it rolling. Now we got some real games to be part of. Yeah, T-Mac, it's one of my favorite times of the year, the start of a new Phillies baseball season, an opening day win in the books already, as you said. What is the mood around the Phillies team here in opening week? The young guys are excited about just getting things started again. I think they're. I think the biggest thing is that they're excited about building off last year and what they were able to accomplish, which I think is good. You know, there, there's certain players, whether it be Freddie Galvis, who don't want to relinquish their job to, let's say, J.P. Crawford. Or, you know, you look at some of the younger guys in the outfield, like Aaron Altair, who wants a chance to play every day. He knows that Dylan Cousins is looming, that Nick Williams is looming, that Roman Quinn is looming. So these guys are just excited to be able to prove themselves. And I think based on last year, the fact that they were positive in win total compared to the year before, they're anticipating some additional success. So getting started and playing real games I think that, you know, everybody's excited about that. So I'm excited just to see the young guys and how they've progressed and if they can keep getting better. And I think they obviously need them to keep getting better. The Phils have certainly upgraded their corner outfield positions. What will the additions of Howie Kendrick and Michael Saunders mean to the club? I think it, it still remains to be seen, but I think already the veteran leadership has been big for some of the younger players, whether it be the, the hitting groups that Matt Stairs has put Howie Kendrick in, which has influenced Mike Alfranco or the fact that they feel like there's a stabilized left-handed bat in right field in Michael Saunders. Both of these guys are obviously getting up there in age, and Kendrick is not a home run hitter by any stretch. He's more of a singles-doubles hitter. Saunders is probably more of a home run hitter. If he can stay healthy, then I think it gives them a chance to have some of the other guys seasoned a little bit more, whether it be Williams or even Roman Quinn. I, I think they want Dylan Cousins to spend you know, at least half the season in AAA, if not longer, just to kind of shore himself up. And if he puts up the same numbers that he had in Reading, then I do believe that they'll have an opportunity to bring him up at some point this year, too. Now, our center fielder, Odubel Herrera, or Edible Herrera, as the Reds PA announcer called him yesterday, yeah. he had a great three or four months last year representing the Phils in the All-Star game, but his production dipped in August and September. Still, he got a new contract. What do you expect from Odubel this year? Well, I kind of lean on what Pete said. You know, Pete's expectations are that he's going to be a 300 hitter, and I think he can be too. I, I do think he's going to be a streaky 300 hitter. It's not going to be one of those guys like George Brett or Tony Gwynn that just is a no-doubt 300 hitter. I think there's some streakiness to him. But I, I do think that he can build on what happened last year in the first half or the first several months of the season and try to limit those streaks. I, I thought, let's say, in game one, 
his last two at-bats were better than his first couple of at-bats. I thought he was jumpy in his first couple of at-bats. I think that's just who he is. But I do believe the fact that they put him in the three-hole means that there's an expectation from Pete and the coaches that he is going to put together an all-star season. They're sort of pressuring him to do that, but not in a huge pressure-packed way. They're just saying, hey, this is your stage. Let's see if you can put it together. Tom, baseball often comes down to pitching, and the Phillies do have a lot of arms, both on the big club and in Reading and Lehigh Valley, but no clear ace. How do you like this starting rotation? Well, I do like it. I, you know, there, there's nobody that's going to blow you away like, let's say, Noah Syndergaard from the Mets or Scherzer or a you know, Strasburg when he's healthy from the Nationals. But I do think that they have some consistency to it. I don't think you really need an ace. I mean, it's nice if you have a losing streak that that ace sort of turns the rotation over and then you know, can end that streak itself. But I think that these young players can continue to evolve into what the Phillies need, and that's just consistent starting pitching. Now, on paper, they're probably all 500 pitchers or maybe a tad better. But I do think as you know, we move forward, guys like Zach Eflin, Ben Lively, there's an expectation that they can contribute and you know, help be part of it. But I also think, Chet, that sometime down the road, they're probably going to make a move to bring in a quote-unquote number one starter. Now, it may not be... At the end of this year, it may be, you know, at the end of next year. But I, I like the staff. I'm excited about Eikhoff. I am excited about Eflin when he comes back. I'm excited to see what Nola and Velasquez do off of last season. Nola with the injury, Velasquez, you know, with just sort of an inconsistency in velocity. So I like the staff. I do. I mean, I, I don't think that there's, you know, any Hall of Famers right now, but I do like the staff the way it's structured. Yeah, I like Eikhoff a lot, too, even though his final spring start didn't go very well. Aaron Nolo, his elbow is fine, he says, health-wise, but he got hit around quite a bit in the spring. Should we be concerned? Well, I think anytime anybody has a UCL injury like he does, the strain, I always think that there's a semblance of concern. I love his first innings. I mean, his first innings are you know high in velocity, high in energy, and high in strikes. It's obviously been his second inning and even his third inning from time to time where he has struggled. So... I'm not that concerned, but, you know, you look at his first start, which will come this weekend against the Nationals, I'm intrigued to see what happens after the first inning. Can he do in the second and third innings what he has done in the first inning of his spring games? That's the biggest thing. I like the fact his velocity is there. I just don't think his command is totally there just yet. Hey, in addition to Kendrick and Saunders, there are a few other new faces this year, among them Brock Stassi, Daniel Nava, and Andrew Knapp. Stassi, of course, that 27-year-old rookie, so it's taken a while for this 33rd-round draft pick, but that's a pretty nice story, isn't it, Tom? I think it's a great story, and even the Knapp story, even though Knapp's not as old. I mean, I saw his parents on Monday night after the game, but Stassi was, you know, said his legs were wobbly. He was moving a mile a minute when he walked on Monday. I think it's a great story. I've always enjoyed talking to Brock. I think that everybody through the system, whether it be in single-A, double-A, or triple-A, they root for a lot of these guys, but they really root for him because of the kind of person he is. And do I think he's going to be an everyday player? I don't know. I mean, you know, right now the Phillies have Tommy Joseph over at first base, uh, and their outfield is set, and he's not really an outfielder. But Matt Stairs thinks with his ability to hit a fastball that he can help this team off the bench in one way, shape, or form. And I think that's great. You mentioned Matt Stairs. Have you seen anything different already from the Phil's hitters now that your old broadcast partner is the hitting coach? Well, I thought that in game one on Monday, I think I think you saw a difference in the first couple of innings. Uh, I really did. You know, I thought the patience was there, but I also thought the recognition of the fastball was there as well. Now, as the game moved on, it did change a little bit. They were a little over-aggressive 
instead of letting things kind of happen. But I, I think that more so in game one, you saw what his objective is. Now, you saw it sometimes in spring training, but you also saw times where guys were just looking to get hits in spring training, so they were kind of swinging at everything. But I did think in game one, particularly the first three innings of the game, the first time through the order, there was a sense of patience and then going after the fastball, getting into a good hitter's count. To me, you know, Matt is a savant in my my thoughts, I mean, when it comes to hitting. So I, I really think they're going to be successful. I love the fact that he's doing what he's doing. Uh, and I think the guys have really responded to him. And I, I think Pete, you know, has really enjoyed having him around too, which is a good thing. Hey, you talked about some of the prospects earlier. We have Alfaro, J.P. Crawford, Roman Quinn, Nick Williams, as you mentioned. When are we going to see some of these guys, you think? Could they be up before July 31st? You know, I think a lot will depend on if there's any moves made. And I also think it depends on how well they're doing. You know, Pete McCannon is talking often about, all right, I'm not going to bring a guy up or want to bring a guy up if they're hitting 260 in AAA. He goes, they're going to be hitting at least 300 in AAA. Now, I don't know if we would hold him to that, but I don't think there's any thought in Freddie Galvis's mind that he is going to give up the shortstop position. And I think he is very stern in his feelings that, hey, this is my job right now. I wouldn't be shocked if one of the outfielders comes up before July 31st. But I think it all depends on how Saunders does, how Kendrick does, if they trade either one of those guys. That's the big thing. I, I personally think Roman Quinn will be the first one that comes up. That's my personal opinion. But, again, it'll all depend on if they make any moves with two of these corner outfielders. I'll tell you this. I'll be heading up to Lehigh Valley to check out a couple of games this year. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're playing Reading. Um, or they get a chance to play Reading before the start of the season. I think that's kind of cool for the oh, fans yeah. to see that. But that's an exciting team. There's a lot going on when it comes to that Lehigh Valley team. Hey, I have to talk to you about your uh, new partner in the booth, John Cruck. How's it going working with the Crucker? And in addition to his personality, what does he bring to the broadcast? Well, he's very smart, and, and I've been fortunate. I mean, I've had a lot of partners in recent years, but I've been fortunate that all of them have a great work ethic. And John, every once in a while, I'll sit there and say, all right, should I set him up for this? And then when we come out of break, all of a sudden he'll talk about what I'm thinking about. Huh. So you don't really need to set him up. And I think that's a good thing. I think there's a, just a, a, a smartness to him that I remembered from when, you know, A, he was a player, but also when he was a broadcaster in 2003. He's been great. You know, I saw him. We all played golf on Tuesday after Monday's opener, and uh, we saw him when we got back. And I told him the other day, I said, listen, I said, this isn't going to be like ESPN. I don't know if you remember this or not. I said, but there's going to be – there are a lot of games where there's not going to be that energy in the crowd or anything like mm -hmm. that, like your Sunday night baseball games. But I think he's looking forward to how relaxed it is with us. I mean, we're all friends. We're all very close friends. And I think he, you know, we all interact in a very pleasant way. And I think he's looking forward to that. All right, T-Mac. The Phils won 71 games last year. The Vegas over-under for this season is 72.5. Now, Bill and I made our predictions on last week's show. He said 76 wins, while I said 80. Are we being too optimistic? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I've, I've actually fell some, somewhere between that. You know, the, the, the issue is that I think the rest of the division has actually gotten better this year. And, you know, even the Braves. The Braves have gotten older, but they've gotten better, I think, compared to last year. So that's going to be – I think that's where the, the, the issue may, may be. I do think the Phillies will win more than 72. I think that number is a little low from a Vegas standpoint. But I'm sort of torn as to whether I think they're going to get to 500 get to the doorstep of 500, or maybe improve by four or five wins from last year. I just think a lot of it depends on the division. I mean, think about the first game they have on Friday. I mean, Max Scherzer's pitching. You know, the Nationals, that's the fourth game for the Nationals. That's a pretty good fourth pitcher to throw out there, and the I'll Mets say. will do the same thing.
that's the issue to me is I, I do think that when I was thinking about the, the season and how the team would be, I think I forgot that the rest of the division actually did get a little bit better from, from last year. You know, that's what's going to dictate a lot of the success or failure of the team. All right, final question, Tom. Prior to the opener, have you ever in your life used the word John, J-A-W-N, in conversation? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's funny because they told us that we were doing this promo, and uh, I said, okay. I said, well, how are we going to do it? And we're not going to do it just – we're not just doing an open day, but we're going to do it you know, a few different occasions. Sure. I have heard it. Jim Salisbury from CSN Philly uses it all the time sort of as a joke. Yep. My kids actually use it. You know, both my boys are at the college in New Jersey. Uh, one is graduating this year and actually is in the red on the part of the Reading broadcast team, and the other one, you know, said to me after the opener, he said, "I can't believe you use John in a <laughs> sentence." He said, "We say it all the time with our team, but I can't tell you that I've used it on a daily basis. <laughs> I have heard it, but I, I thought the best part about it was a the fact that we used it, but b two innings later when it finally clicked with John Cruck on how to use it, and he yeah. used it." when Hector Neris was coming in. So yep. uh, it's fun. I mean, hey, it's 162 games. If you can't laugh, then you're going to be at each other's necks, I would think, uh, as it goes on, because you have to be able to laugh a little bit. Awesome. Tom McCarthy, always great to talk with you. Have a terrific season. Thanks, Chet. Wow, Chet. Man, T-Mac can cover it all, can he? He's smooth. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he gives full attention to all the questions, and he's not just going through the motions. He's great, great to talk to, a lot of good insight from Tom, and, uh, you know, I hope they do have a good season. I hope they are right around 500. It'll be exciting for the fans and, uh, you know, maybe a sign of things to come in the future. Yeah, and, you know, we didn't even get to talk any hoops with him this time. <laughs> That's right, I know. He's been busy, busy guy. Yes, he is. Hey, I'm, I'm going to make one comment about uh, – one follow-up comment because he said it twice – and I'm going to get on the train here for just a little while, okay? He twice made the comment that Freddie Galvis is not ready to give up his job. And if Freddie, yeah. Gal- if, if Tom McCarthy knows that and Freddie Galvis is ready to go all in and play to save his job and have a great season, hey, you know me, I haven't been a Freddie fan. I'm going to support Freddie. If he's got that attitude, he, he's going to be one of my guys. Yeah, I, I mean, it's great. I hope Freddie does come through and have a great season. And then, you know, then they have a decision to make. What do they do? Move Freddie to second base? Move Cesar out of the uh, lineup? I don't know. So it's going to be fun. I hope everybody does have a great season. Yep, I hope, I hope those guys put them in positions to make those decisions tough. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, before we get away from the Phillies, Chet, uh, we're going to be sure to add a segment to next week's show, even though we're going to start talking a lot of draft and things like that. But, we're going to talk more about this retired number question I asked you about last last week, and there has been a lot of feedback on this topic through uh, through our friends and Facebook and things like that. Uh, we need to talk more about this. Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Cole Hamels, or anybody else that you want to retire or, or fans might want to retire a number on. So we're going to talk some more about that. We'll, we'll have our uh, our homework done, our stats together, and we'll get to that. Put that on the agenda for next week, and then I have a related trivia question in terms of uh, numbers that I think you might get or you might not. We don't have time for it tonight, so uh, save that for next week. All right. Well, hey, Chet, you know we have a lot of listeners that are local golfers, and uh, we've got a chance to golf and help a great cause. 
That's right, Bill. Hit the links on Sunday, May 28th to help traumatic brain injury survivors at McGee Rehabilitation Hospital. The Golf 4 Jackie Tournament is located at Range End Golf Club. That's in Dillsburg, PA, not far from Harrisburg. Jackie, a TBI survivor, successfully rehabbed at McGee. For registration, sponsorship, or silent auction information, contact McGee Rehab at 215-587-3145 or giving at org. All right, Chad, I wanted to ask you uh, one more Flyers question that we didn't get to with Lauren, and I just wanted to ask you, if you're disappointed in the Flyers not making the playoffs, or did they come in right about where you were thinking? And I want to say at the beginning of the season when we made our predictions, I think we both were thinking like seven or eight seeds and uh, didn't quite make that. Yeah, we did both say seven or eight seeds, and we also said they'd have 105 or 106 points. They're not going to come close to that. So uh, what, Flyer wouldn't, what Flyers fan wouldn't be disappointed? They made the playoffs last year. They have a couple of talented rookies this year, so the expectation was for another playoff run in year two of the Dave Haxtell era. Didn't happen for a lot of reasons, inconsistent goaltending, subpar defense. A lot of guys who, quite frankly, came up small this year. Matt Reed, Sean Couturier, even though he picked it up a bit lately. Um, Goss Despair, and yes, the captain, Claude Giroux. Am I right? You are right. Uh, I could not be more disappointed, and uh, I'm, I think everybody wants to kind of beat up on the goaltending. I'm not. I'm not one of those guys. This year, the offense went away, and uh, the goaltending was. You know, it was up and down a bit, but that wasn't the reason that they didn't make the playoffs. Um, the young defensemen, the, the rotating guys in and out, and I, I'll stick with the coach that uh, they were being rotated because they weren't playing well and not because he felt like giving them nights off. Uh, but at the end of the day, they couldn't score goals, and it certainly uh, it certainly cost them. Yep, and we're going to get into uh, this a little bit more in May when we have an ex-Flyer joining us. I'll tell you more about that in a few weeks. But, uh, yeah, there'll be more hockey talk in May, but uh, disappointing for sure. Yep. Well, hey, Chet, we uh, were you surprised that North Carolina beat Gonzaga to win the NCAA championship on Monday night? I, I think you you picked them. I didn't want them, but I kind of expect them. But did you watch the game, and what did you think of it? I watched, of course. Listen, lots of people were complaining on social media about it being an awful game. And in some ways they were right. I mean, the refs caught a lot of fouls that they could have let go. There were some bad turnovers. And with both teams shooting around 35%, there were a lot of bricks thrown up there. It reminded me of myself playing freshman basketball. But on the other hand, it was a tight competitive game throughout. And it went down to the wire. So, hey, congrats to the Tar Heels, even though, yes, I was kind of pulling for the Zags. Well, I have to say I was really disappointed in the officiating. I believe 52 foul shots in that game. Stay out of the doggone game and let the players play. Ugly game. Yep. Hey, we do need to give a shout-out to Philly's own Dawn Staley for leading the University of South Carolina to the Women's National Championship. And, Chet, Dawn has done just about everything that a person can do in their sport and right out of North Philadelphia. Yeah, Dobbins, a great player, a great coach now, obviously. So congrats to Dawn Staley. Uh, they're going to honor her, I believe, in the next day or two at Dobbins Tech, so that's nice to see. Meanwhile, the streak is over for Gino Ariema's UConn Huskies as they saw their 111-game winning streak snapped in a women's NCAA semifinal game last Friday. Gino, also from Philly, of course. A shocking upset, but hey, 111 straight wins is impressive in any sport and on any level. 
and L, absolutely. And a great uh, press conference that we don't really have time to talk about right now, but great press conference by Gino when he asked what he told his team. He just said, this is real life. What we've been doing for 111 straight games and, and breaking other people's hearts is not real life. This is real life, girls. We got to, you know, yeah. this is what it's all about. Good class Good class stuff. act from Gino. All right, Chad. Yep. Hey, it's week seven of Random QT time. Uh, again, give a quick explanation for the new listeners, and uh, let's get to it. I'm on the hot seat. Q2, Q2. All right, it's a simple little goofy 10-show series that I slapped together with me asking you, Bill, two simple questions. First question, always about a timely sports topic. The second question, one of 10 random questions already written down weeks ago about whatever. Uh, We'll get to that one in just a minute. But your first question is, of course, a sports question, Bill, and here it is. Among the four major Philly Pro sports teams, None has advanced past the first round of the postseason since, believe it or not, the 2012 Sixers. So, which of the four teams will be next to advance to the second round or beyond? The Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles in 2017 are going to make the playoffs, and they're going to win their division. I'm out here early on this one, Chet. They're going to be better. Wow. I like what they see. They're going to get better in the draft. The Eagles are making the playoffs. They're going to win the East. They're going to get a bye, and they're going to round two. Write it down. <laughs> I'm going to write that down right now. I'm saying the Sixers next year. The Eagles may sneak in as a wild card this year. They may, but they're not going to advance to the second round, I don't think. Sixers will make the playoffs next spring. Write that down. Now, for your yeah, second question this Kool-Aid. week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Bill, pick a number now from this batch of leftover numbers. Three, four, six, or nine. Oh, we've got to go with AI. That would be number three. Yes, it Number would. three. All right. How often, Bill, have you traveled overseas, and what trip or location was most memorable? Oh, my goodness. Overseas. Um well, you know, I was just in Cozumel, Mexico, to watch my son Mike compete in the Ironman uh, last year. Uh, well, that's uh, getting to be two years ago now. Uh, that was a nice, relaxing vacation time. Uh, the only other time I've ever been overseas, I guess, is I was in Suriname, South America, Chet, when I was 21 mm-hmm. years old, just out of school, went to work, and in in it. Uh, was at the Suriname Aluminum Company, which is an Alcoa plant. And uh, that was very memorable, but not for all the right reasons. It is now <laughs> a, a communist nation and uh, a place I never want to go back. So I'm, I'm going to go Cozumel. How's that? There you go. We learn something new every week about you, Bill. Thank you. Uh, I could, and, and, I, and I will tell you this, Chet. I was in uh, Suriname when Ronald Reagan was elected president and when the Phillies won the World Series. How's that go? Well, there you go. There's a memory for you. Yeah, bad, bad, because I learned I learned <laughs> about the results of both of those things via facts. Nice. All right. Well, hey, Chet, phillypressboxradio.com continues to grow. We want to say thank you to each and every one who visits the site. We have this week's Sponsor, the Irish Rover Station House, Luna Rove, Taylor, and Heather, Carl's Cards and Collectibles, and Bob Sullivan's new LikeYourAge.com. Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on each of their displays to transfer 
to their websites. Yeah, we are biased, but we think it is a pretty darn good website. Check it every morning, please. PhillyPressBoxRadio.com. Hey, Chet, we're moving into Eagles and NFL draft mode over the next three weeks leading up to the April 27th through 29th draft in Philadelphia. Who do we have lined up to talk draft? Well, we're going to be devoting much of the next three shows to previewing the draft, especially in terms of the Eagles' needs and prospective selections. We have a bunch of gentlemen coming on with us the next three weeks who would all be considered experts on football matters. So we will get everyone all set for that draft. Up first, joining us on next week's show, one of our favorite guys, one of our favorite guests, the Hall of Famer and all-around super guy, the great Ray Didinger. Oh, can't wait. Always good to have Ray. You know it'll be nothing but great information coming out. So let's look forward to that next Wednesday night, 7 p.m. All right, Chad, let's get to our signing update of Carl's Cards and Collectibles. The newest Philly, Brock Stassi, will be in the store in April. And if you were looking to be part of the Bobby Clark and Bernie Perrant private signings, you have missed out for now. And, Chad, I have a feeling Carl might have something special up his sleeve as we get closer to summer with more and more guests. So let's keep an eye on that. For all the details, go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on the Carl's Cards and Collectibles banner at the top to go directly to Carl's website for all the details or stop by Carl's Cards and Collectibles at 22 West Eagle Road in Havertown, PA, or give Carl a call at 610-789-4996. You can also contact Carl on Twitter at Carl's Cards. Mr. Chesco, parting shot. Yep, Comcast Sportsnet last Friday, Bill, did a nice segment on the state of the Philly pro sports scene, noting that, as we often talk about right here on Philly Press Box Radio, all four teams seem to be heading in the right direction. Now, courtesy CSN, listen to in order. GMs, Howie Roseman, Brian Colangelo, Ron Hextall, and Matt Klintak. When we made this decision to trade up for the quarterback, uh, we're going to build around him, and we're going to stick to our plan. We're going to be disciplined with our process. We're going to do this with measured steps. We don't want to race out and do something uh, to put ourselves in a position to uh, lose the opportunity that we have right in front of us. I think we all know what we got coming, um, but we want to be better now. We want to be better next year. We all recognize that it doesn't happen overnight, but we're taking steps to get where we want to go, and I think, you know, all of us, you know, with the Phillies feel we're pleased with, with where we stand on that path right now. Yeah, as much as we uh, Philly fans like to criticize management's decisions, the good news is that all four teams do have a lot going for them in terms of either young talent, prospects, draft position, or the ability to spend or some combination of those four things. The hope now is that they'll be smart enough to make wise decisions and get a share of good luck. If so, we could be looking at all four teams being back in the postseason by 2018 or 19 and staying competitive for several years to come. Everybody's got a process. All right, Chet. Well, we are at the top of the hour, so let's thank our special guests, Lauren Hart and Tom McCarthy, Carl's Cards and Collectibles, Irish Rover Station House, LuLaRue, Taylor, and Heather, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continuing support of the show. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, April 12th, when Ray Dittinger joins us. You can listen through our Facebook page or on www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressbox, or on both iTunes, Stitcher, and now TuneIn. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.